Dear listener, it's a great day that you choose to join me. This is Adventist Soul Radio, the voice of hope. Please keep tuned to this station until the end. I'm your presenter, Samuel Mangi. This is your favorite new life program with interesting segments just for you. Baton will be having the family segment by Lydia Aching. Today, she'll talk about disagreeing about spending. Thereafter, I'll be having the Bible segment by Pastor Paul Wahonya. Today's topic is about the unknown depth of sin. Before that, here's a song Johnny Nyote to Muimbie by Golden Gate Choir. Johnny Nyote to Muimbie, to Masifu Yesu, to Mwamini Mukombozi, Yesu Mwana. that you've been blessed with that lovely song. Thank you for staying tuned. Let us now prepare to listen to Lydia Aching. <laughs> 
karibu Hello dear listener, welcome to today's Family Life program. I'm your presenter Lydia Aching. Today we are going to talk about disagreeing about spending. Do you find that you and your spouse disagree about how you should spend money? If you find you do, you're in the same boat as millions, probably billions of couples. Everyone who is married will find areas of their lives where they disagree, and money is a common area. But that doesn't mean that you can't work as a marital team to find ways to agree on these issues as much as it is possible unless you have a spouse who refuses to work as a team. The Bible says, as far as it is within you, be at peace with all men. What that means in this situation is to make sure you're doing all you can all you can to find ways to honor your marriage and your spouse. You alone are accountable to God for being a good steward in how you personally handle finances in your marriage. But keep in mind that many times we think we're doing fine with how we spend money, but our spouse may have a different way of seeing the matter. Several years ago, Dr. Gary Oliver wrote a question and answer column for Marriage Partnership magazine in which uh, it goes like this. The question was, "My wife is such a hypocrite." She need picks every single dollar I spend saying we can't afford it but then she goes out and spends hundreds of dollars on clothes and decorations for the house when I confront her she just says that's different I need those things how can I make her see she's adding to the problem here's a portion of the answer that Gary gave for the time being you may not be able to make her see she's adding to the problem it doesn't sound like either of you is having much fun and both seem committed to keep on doing what you've been doing Someone once said that if you keep on doing what you've always done, you keep on getting what you've always got. Your first step is to realize that your problem isn't really who spends how much on what kinds of items. The root problem is that you don't have a mutual understanding of the role money has in your marriage and aren't communicating on this critical relational issue. When was the last time you looked at your income, made a list of your debts, agreed on a budget, and carefully laid out your financial goals? Take stock of where you are. List your income and all your debts. Then talk about where you'd like to be in 2, 5 and 10 years. Is saving for retirement a priority? If so, what percentage of your income needs to go there? What financial principles can you agree on? What core needs do you agree on, such as house payments and healthcare, savings, vacations, tithing? The above advice can be quite helpful if you find that you seem to continually disagree about how money is spent. It also can help you to come to some type of working agreement in the future. Steve and I have had to re- revisit our differing ways of handling money quite a few times in the 42 plus years of our marriage. It's rarely a once and for all situation where you resolve your differences and never have to visit the subject again, but that's all part of the dynamics of being married. Keep in mind that marriage is about being partners with each other in every area of life. It's about taking two very independent individuals and making them into a team and mutually that mutually works for the betterment of each other, your marriage and especially kingdom work. It's not that you need to be joined at the hip in everything you do and every bit of money that you spend, but whatever you do shouldn't be done at the sacrifice of your marital relationship. 
That's why it's important to talk about your views on these types of matters and work to better understand each other's perspectives and then work together to see how you can honor each other's needs and wants. The following are some additional thoughts on these subjects of agreeing and disagreeing about money that you might find insightful, written by Joe Gutzlau. Gather couples from anywhere in the world. Gather couples from anywhere in the world and ask them what is the most troubled area of their marriage. Alongside communication, you will probably find money mentioned with amazing frequency. The problem isn't inflation. It isn't how much or how little you have. It is who does what with what you have. How you spend your money tells a great deal about you and your values, what you consider to be important. Tell me how you spend your money and I will tell you what you really value in life. Without even thinking about it, you are writing a family history week by week. No, not me, you may be thinking. I'm not writing anything. But you are. In the stubs of your checkbook, money is immoral. It's neither good nor evil in itself. When money is a problem in a marriage or a family, I've discovered that the financial problems are usually just the tip of the iceberg. Hidden beneath the surface usually lies the iceberg of selfishness. Marriage demands commitment, and apart from sexual fidelity, nothing is more important than maintaining commitment to each other when it comes to what we do with our money. Love is a commitment, a decision to care regardless of the temperature of the heart, and that commitment includes our funds. For a marriage to work, there has to be a blending of two lives where each begins to live for the other. You see, thinking of my money and her money, it's our money. There may be times when separate bank accounts are necessary, but the separation of what you have into two piles is usually a sign of the separation which has already begun in your hearts. Long ago, Amos asked the question, do two walk together unless they have agreed to do so? The obvious answer is no. In marriage, money usually implies control. It's the golden rule. He who has the gold rules. But in marriages that really work, there may be a shortage of money, but never the conflict of two battling over who is going to spend it for what. The better way is each for the other and both for the Lord. What is your source of quarrels and conflicts among you? Is it not the source of your pleasures that wage war in your members? You lust and do not have, so you commit murder. And you are envious and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. You ask and you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives, so that you may spend it on your pleasures. We hope you will look into your heart and motives and work for the financial betterment of your marriage. Don't allow money to possess your heart and eyesight. It makes a lousy God and dishonors our Lord when you allow it to separate you as a couple. In all you do, keep in mind the following words found in the Bible in Philippians chapter 4, verse 19. And my God will meet all your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. This material is provided by Marriage Missions International. Until next time, God bless you.
hope that you've enjoyed that family life segment. This is the new life program coming to you from Adventist World Radio, the voice of hope. Do not forget to send us your thoughts about this program to the producer, Adventist World Radio, P.O. Box 42276-00100, Nairobi, Kenya. Our email address is awrnairobi at ek.adventist.org. Let us now hear from Golden Gate Choir with the song, Yesu ni mchunga wangu. Ni 
Thank you once again for staying tuned to our station. It is time for the Bible segment. Pastor Ahonya, welcome and bless us with the word. Dear listener, today we want to talk about the unknown depth of sin. In Luke 23 verse 34, we come across the dying words of the Son of God when he proclaimed, Father, forgive them for they do not know what they are doing. This prayer of our Lord in his dying moments on the cross of Calvary, while it shows the depth of God's love, yet it further reveals the divine understanding of the depth of sin not easily comprehended by sinners. My dear listener, Sin is enmity toward God. It is rebellion against God's law. For the Bible plainly says in Romans 8 verse 7 that the sinful mind is hostile to God. If it does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Sin is also the gateway to eternal ruin for the wages of sin, the Bible says, is death. And in Galatians 6, verse 7 and 8, the word of God further cancels that. Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. The one who sows to please his sinful nature, from that nature will reap destruction. The one who sows to please the Spirit will reap eternal life. But then... Dear friend, the exceeding sinfulness of sin can only properly be understood in the light of Jesus Christ's crucifixion on the cross of Calvary. For here we are told that God made him who had no sin to be sin for us. This simply means that God treated Christ as if he were a sinner, which of course he was not for he was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. He never committed sin in word, in thought, or in deed. Throughout the entire course of his life, he kept himself from sin in every way. Here on earth, dear listener, Jesus lived a holy and defiled and pure life. He was ever conscious of being in harmony with God's will. Yet God did not spare his only son, but gave him for us all. You and I are quite different from Christ. For the Bible says that all have sinned and have fallen short of the glory of God. We are sinners in need of God's forgiveness. And that is what Christ recognized and uttered. That understanding and compassionate prayer, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. This prayer is the door of hope for every sinner. It was the hope of the penitent thief on the cross who received instant forgiveness and the promise to share eternity with Christ. It was the hope of Mary Magdalene out of whom Jesus cast out seven devils. It was the door of hope for the hallowed Rahab, 
And that was the gate through which the Apostle Paul also went when he declared that Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners of whom I am one. And so, dear friend, that same, same door of hope is open for you and for me. And so this portion of the prayer of Jesus, our Savior, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing, is our only defense against the accusation of Satan. It will be your defense against an accusing conscience. It is a blessed assurance that your sins are forgiven and that you have peace with God through Jesus Christ your Lord. And friend, it is the divine incentive to come boldly to God's throne of grace and to receive help in time of need. Why don't you give him your sins? Why don't you tell him what it is that is bothering you in your life so that he can also forgive you today? We are grateful for the time you have accorded us today. Let us meet right here at Adventist Hall Radio, the voice of hope. Don't forget to send us your views and comments to the producer, Adventist Hall Radio, P.O. Box 422-76-100, Nairobi, Kenya. You can also email us at awrnairobi at ek.adventist.org. I've been a presenter, Samuel Mag. Until then, stay safe, stay blessed.
Nipo nipate nguvu Nipo nipate nguvu